You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. Good evening, everybody. How are we doing? All right. Who's going to the retreat? Hey, if you're not signed up, we have a few spots left. I'd highly encourage it. Uh, it's a really, it's worth your, worth your investment of time and money, promise. So uh, it's like uh, more happens in a couple days because it's just something about being in community together uh, with an intentionality of seeking God. So uh, we really wanted to put a plug out there. We would love, love, love to see you up in McCall two weekends from now. So um, I'm going to pray real quick and then we're going to jump in tonight's topic, which is uh, kind of a big one and it's... Uh, just feel a significance, kind of a weight to it tonight. So it's going to be uh, a bit of a journey. Weighty. It's not heavy in a bad way, but it's going to be weighty. All right. So God, I thank you that you are with us, God, in the good stuff. You're with us in the hard stuff. And we just want truth tonight, God. So may your truth come and liberate us from burdens that we didn't even know we were carrying tonight. God, may your delivering love enter into this room and set captives free. God, align in us what needs to be aligned, put into place what has been put out of place. God, if there's been uh, just anything, God, within us that is not in accordance to love, we ask, God, that the hand of the healer will come and touch us. You'll restore us. You'll fashion us, shape us back into the original design of who we were created to be. God, instruments of love formed in the image of love. So we thank you, God, for who you are, and we bless you tonight in Jesus' name. So last week I opened up a topic that uh, I honestly was a little bit insecure about addressing because I'd never heard it addressed in the church, and uh, it was kind of overwhelming, I think, the response that I've had and just what I experienced last week that in some ways feel like uh, hit a gold mine as far as a place that I believe the Spirit is speaking poignantly within, to us, uh, with, within this community. And, you know, we want to be a healthy family. And again, I defined this a couple weeks ago that a healthy family is a community of agape love. It's a people that embody love. And there's no fear in love, perfect love cast out fear and the one who fears has not yet been perfected in love. And I believe that God's doing a work of perfecting us into love, and uh, opened up the topic of codependency last week, which I defined as uh, when fear infects our love, and it causes us to give beyond our means into a relationship, right, and, and spent a lot of time talking about this threshold, that there's a certain threshold that we can cross, and when we've crossed that threshold, that's where there's this impurity in our actions towards people, no matter how good they can look, Right? Talked about the peacock? <laughs> yeah. No, you know, the peacock's retired for a while. No, no. I have boundaries, okay? And I'm going to talk about boundaries tonight. I don't give in to peer pressure. <laughs> but uh, this threshold has a name, and the threshold is boundaries. And so we don't know, you know, how, how do we know if we're crossing the threshold or not, if we're not aware what the threshold is to begin with, right? So 
I'm a little intimidated and honestly to talk about this topic because it's a very comprehensive topic that I know that we're all in different places at, but I'm going to do my best to dig in and try to stir up some more conversation. And again, my, my job as a pastor, I don't see it is to give you all the answers to make sure that you leave home and tie it in a bow, that you go home and everything's good, right? Sometimes it's good to leave a little disturbed, and you may leave a little disturbed tonight, but that's okay, because you need to have conversation with the Lord, conversation with the people in your life, conversation. that there, there, There's a journey that God is trying to trigger. I can't do the journey for you. I can only do it for me, but I at least want to get the ball rolling and just continue to evoke some thought and some topics and some conversations that I think will be fruitful to have. Is that fair? So I want to talk about boundary tonight, and I have a video by a woman named Brene Brown who's doing a lot of really good work uh, in both Christian and non-Christian circles, but she has a good, this little five-minute video on boundaries that I think kind of creates a grid that I'm then going to build on from tonight. So we can go ahead and play that. One of the most shocking findings of my work was the idea that the most compassionate people I have interviewed over the last 13 years were also the absolutely most boundaried. Because most they, so I'll give you a great definition of the, the, the definition of boundary that I use in the book. Boundary is simply what's okay and what's not okay. What I think we do is we don't set boundaries. We let people do things that are not okay or get away with behaviors that are not okay, then we're just resentful and hateful. Me, I'd rather be loving and generous and very straightforward with what's okay and what's not okay. Uh, and I did not, I, that I learned from the research. I was the exact opposite. I, I assumed for the first 35 years of my life that people were sucking on purpose just to piss me off. That's what I assumed. Um, that. Yeah, right. Whether it was someone who worked for me or it was someone who, family member who was constantly like, I was always critical and judgy. And I was like, why are they choosing these things? Why are they making their choices? They should know better. And then when this thing came up for my therapist, what if people are doing the best they can? I thought my husband had the most beautiful answer to that question. He said, I'll never know whether people are doing the best they can or not. But when I assume people are, it makes my life better. So now I think I am not as sweet as I used to be, but I'm far more loving. It's not just some like technique so that you can do that. That's really like a way of being to like nurture that soil of wholeheartedness. Yeah. Generosity to assume the best about people is almost an inherently selfish act because the life you change first is your own. You love yourself. Yeah. And so it's, so my question is big, B-I-G. What boundaries need to be in place for me to stay in my integrity and make the most generous assumptions about you? But generosity can't exist without boundaries and we are not comfortable setting boundaries because we care more about what people will think and we don't want to disappoint anyone we want everyone to like us and boundaries are not easy um but i think they're the key to self-love and i think they're the key to treating others with loving kindness sustaining sustaining you can't nothing is sustainable without boundaries
I think compassion and empathy are different things. And again, I'm relying on my data for this. I think compassion is a deeply held belief that we're inextricably connected to each other by something rooted in love and goodness. I call that God. Not everybody calls that God. Um, my dad would call it fishing. Um, fishing? Fishing. Is it fishing? No, there's no G in fishing. Okay. Um, but I think it, compassion is a deeply held belief. I think empathy is the skill set to bring compassion alive. So empathy is something we can teach. I mean, it's something we've taught our kids since they were very little. It's about how to communicate that deep love for people in a way so that people don't know they're not alone. I think there's a lot of new inf interesting information out there about empathy not being a good thing, about that, you know, this, there's an argument that says, you know, if Travis is in struggle and I practice empathy with you, I'm taking on your darkness and it leads to burnout and it leads to, but empathy is not feeling for somebody. It's feeling with them. It's touching a place in me that knows where you've been. So I can look at you and say, me too, brother. You're not alone in this. Um, and I find empathy to be infinite. I think it gives back tenfold what you put out. It's sustaining. Like if, it's you, sustaining. if you've done the work and uh, you have your boundaries, mm -hmm. I mean, you could tread that water forever and never get tired. Okay, so empathy. I'm quoting Travis here, empathy. If you've done your work and set your boundaries, you can tread that water forever. Yeah. Amen. It's not finite and it keeps giving back to us. And so this idea that, but, but here we go back to where we started this conversation. Empathy minus boundaries is not empathy. Compassion minus boundaries is not genuine. Vulnerability without boundaries is not vulnerability. So you see that there's a yeah. huge riff here, which is boundaries are freaking important. Yeah. And it's not, they're not fake walls. They're not separation. Boundaries are not division. They're respect. There's here's what's okay for me and here's what's not. It's a good word. So boundaries are important. And I loved the, the concept that if I've done the work of making boundaries, I have access to an infinite source of love, which I think is what we look at when we see Jesus. Somehow Jesus, always exuding love to the world, but he also was a very boundaried man, right? And we don't often think of us, but Jesus, Jesus had a lot of boundaries. We know who his favorite was, John. We knew who his next three closest were, Peter, James. We know who uh, the 12 were, we know that there were 70, right? Jesus had a very boundaried life, and he spent his time in a very finite way. He said, hey, you know, they, no, we need to stay in Capernaum. He said, no, I need to go to the next place. Boundary, right? Jesus lived a very boundaried existence, and because of that, he always had, right, because he only did what he saw his father doing, 
right? And I think we hear this verse a lot in spiritual context. You know, we just want to be, just want to do what the Father does. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be dependent. We want to be surrendered, which is what I'm going to call the big yes tonight. Yes to God. We don't realize that that is a, an extremely boundary way to live your life, right? Because when I say yes to God, I'm saying no to everything else, right? When I say yes to I'm only going to do your will, I am by default saying no to everything else, right? And so there's, there's this idea of boundaries, and we're going to dig into it because I think that there, it's significant that we have to do the work of building boundaries if we want to be a people of love. I think a lot of times we have the intention to be a people of love. We don't realize that there's so much work involved of building boundaries, right? So a boundary, I just want to clarify before we jump into this tonight, a boundary is not the same thing as a wall, right? A boundary is something that you put up to protect and guard intimacy in your life. It is, it, it exudes from love and it's created to protect love, right? A wall is done from fear, and it's to self-protect you, right? It actually keeps people away. It keeps you safe, right? A boundary, uh, a boundary's not done to control people. A boundary's done to control yourself. A boundary's about your behavior with people. It's not about trying to control people's behavior around you. It's not to keep people from hurting you. It's to protect yourself and how you choose to navigate and respond to the world. Does this make sense? So uh, if you, you can put this, that diagram up. Uh, I have, this is a diagram actually from uh, Danny Silk's book called Keep Your Love On. And uh, this is just a visual representation of the reality that we are limited people. Right? And so sometimes I think we have to recognize that God is love and he's infinite, but he chooses to express himself uniquely through these finite human beings that he's created. Right? And, and Danny in the book says, and there's a lot of research on stuff like this, that you can really only maintain so many intimate relationships in your life. And this middle circle would be the God, the God circle, which is like the big yes, which is yes to him. He's the ultimate priority of our lives. And then you have like a one, you can have an, a, a, like a spouse or one person that can fit into this space. And then, you know, Jesus had his three, and then you have the 12, and then you have the 70, right? And the further away, you can have more people in it, but there are layers, right? And ultimately, we're called to love everyone, like Al-Qaeda and Charlie Sheen, um, Right, but they don't have the same access, right? There's no intimacy that I have with them. Does this make sense? So the point of this being is that we only, we, we have so much intimacy to create with the world, right? And so why we have boundaries is that with each, each layer out, there's different boundaries that we have to set up to protect those relationships, right? Because if, if I don't, if I don't, right, what happens in life, you get the email from work, and if I don't have a boundary with work that's protecting the spouse, then all of a sudden I'm giving to the work what I should be giving to the spouse. And if somebody asks me to do this, and I don't, I'm a people pleaser and I can't say no, now I'm giving to that person what I should be giving to this person, right? And pretty soon if I don't have boundaries, it's just chaos. And I have all this love in me from God, but because I don't have boundaries, it's like a flood. It's not a river, 
right? So we have to do the work of digging the boundaries, which is the banks of the river, so that God can actually trust us with his overwhelming, relentless love, but it's not just a flood that's just spilling every which way and direction, because that causes damage, right? But that we have a boundaried life. We can say, my yes is yes, my no is no, and I'm being true to the integrity of who I am in Christ. You follow me? So this takes a lot of work. And um, we could talk about, um, there's a lot of dynamics, and that's why it's almost intimidating to jump into this, but what I'm going to focus on tonight is the big yes, which is the God circle, because all the other yeses and nos that, that follow uh, in accordance with all the other relationships are ultimately derived from being able to maintain integrity in, in, a, in a yes with our relationship with God. Right? A lot of people don't realize, right, We've, we talked about prayer at the beginning of this year, you know, God's to be your priority, yada, yada, and Jordan, your preaching's so great, but I'm sure some of you would say, you know, God hasn't been the priority in my life this week. I, I don't have a lot of intimacy. I haven't really been seeking him. I, I just know that. You don't have to raise your hand. I just know. The reason why is because you don't know how to make boundaries on your time. Right? So there, there's a competition, and we have to create boundaries. So for me to say yes to God is the priority of my life requires a lot of work. Right? It means a lot of no's for that one yes. Right? And, and so I'm, we're going to talk about the big yes tonight because that's where all the other ones are derived from. And I just want to make this kind of caveat at the beginning is that I'm operating with the belief tonight, and, and this is where I believe God is, is wanting this community to embody, is that Christians should be the most boundaried, loving, and safe people in the world to be in relationship with, right? And, and the reason boundaried, loving, and safe is because that's what integrity is. It's very boundaried, it's extremely loving, and it's very, very safe, right? And when God first reveals his name, what, what's his first name he gives to, the, to his people? Yahweh, I am who I am. That is a name connotating integrity. Saying, hey Moses, you want to know who I am? Tell Israel, I am exactly who I am. You can be safe with me. You know who I am because I don't change. I'm always who I am. My words and my actions align. I am an integrous God. And I believe Christians, anoint, little anointed ones, to embody this image of Jesus. That's what we were created to be. Integrous in how we engage with the world. You following me? So there's kind of two steps of the work of, of, of building and establishing boundaries in our life. One is, is the biggie, and I'm going to spend most of the time on it tonight, and that is awareness. We need awareness of what the boundaries are, because this is a unique journey for all of us. A boundary for me may not be a boundary for you. This isn't always moral. There are moral boundaries, but there's a lot of amoral boundaries where it's not about right or wrong. It's about what is my identity? What does integrity look like for me, right? Like for me, I don't drink alcohol, but that's not to say that that's your boundary. Does that make sense? Like that's my own relational boundary. There's, there's some that are absolute, non-negotiable, but there's a lot of gray too. So this is an individual journey, but uh, we still, so awareness. And awareness comes from revelation. It comes from a relationship with God 
because, and, and then the second part is a little more superficial, but they go hand in hand. It's not like one than the other. They're both happening simultaneously. But there's, we need awareness of boundaries, and then we have to learn how to implement them. right? And, and we implement through communication. So we get awareness through revelation. We implement boundaries through communication. Okay? Right, so uh, boundaries, right, this is, the, so the work, the work of establishing boundaries, the work of coming into awareness and then, and then implementing these boundaries is actually the journey of, of discovering who you are, right? Like bottom line, baseline, if we want to zero it down, it's, it's the process of finding your identity, you have to discover who you are. And the reason for that is that boundaries are simply the relational expression of our integrity. Right? Integrity looks like something. Does anybody, you know, you've, you've known someone, you're like, man, that person's integrous. You ever felt that before? You know how you can just know it? It's because you're actually, you're seeing their boundaries. You're experiencing them and you're saying, wow, there's, there's a consistency, there's a safety, there's something about the way they relationally navigate their life that exudes to me, they are integrous, right? So, so boundaries are the relational expression of our integrity and integrity is derived from our identity. Our integrity is simply us manifesting who we are, right? So this is kind of cool, it's a little scary too, um, but the reality is that if you want to see what a person believes about themselves, watch how they engage in a relationship. Start to discern their boundaries, right? So we're on a journey of trying to discover who we are, and we need a very uh, uh, integrous, boundaried life if we want to be capable of fulfilling the big yes to God, right? Because there are a lot of no's, no, no. No, 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 yes, no, 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 yes. Right? That, to, to be a, a woman or a man of prayer, no, 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 yes. Right? There, there's, it's boundaried. And I know that's a paradox, but there's something that's actually very freeing. Okay, so we're just going to jump in, and I'm just going to keep digging and just let things land on you as they're supposed to, and I'm going to offer some tools, and I really want to catalyze you on your journey. I'm going to give you some tools on your journey, but I'm just going to tell you this right now. If you just sit here on the chairs and listen to what I have to say and think this is good and convicting, you don't go and do anything with it, you're not going to get any breakthrough. This is work. I can't do it for you. I'm just going to try to get it catalyzed, and then you're going to have to go keep working because this is a journey we're all going to have to go on, including Jordan, all right? So a boundary. Brene said it's what is okay and what is not okay, right? A boundary is about self-control. It's not about manipulating other people. It has nothing to do with other people. It is something that I am doing. I am choosing. It's the way that I'm responding to the life that I'm living in, right? That is what a boundary is, right? And the, the, the reality is that relational boundaries represent what we believe about ourselves, Right? They're the embodiment of our self-belief in relationships because we teach people how to treat us. Right? So if you want to see what you believe about yourself or what someone else believes about themselves, just watch, look at the way, look at the boundaries that they draw. 
Look at the way they actually engage in relationship with other human beings because relationships are the litmus test. They're where the rubber hits the road. It's where our beliefs become realized, right? So boundaries are simply the embodiment of our beliefs about who we are. So if I think I'm worthless, I'm going to interact with you in a way that communicates to you I don't have a lot of value and I need it. Right? If I think that I am royalty, I will hold myself, I will walk in a way, I will communicate with you, I will, in, I, will, I will interact with you in a way that tells you I am royalty. Right? So if you want to see what you believe about yourself, take an honest look at your relationships. Look an honest look at the way you allow people to interact and treat you. Are you following me on this? So here we go. If we cross or we allow other people to cross spiritual, emotional, physical, sexual, financial boundaries with us, we are communicating a message by that. There's nothing that is meaningless. Those actions, if we allow others to cross, or if we cross boundaries, thresholds that should not be crossed, we are communicating a message through that, through that there's there's a communicated message through that act, and the message is that there is low self-worth and that there is a void trying to be filled through that relationship with a person or with a thing. And I want to just be super clear on this. And that is whenever we do this, whenever we partner with fear and we cross the threshold, we cross a boundary that should not be crossed in a relationship with another human being or with anything, right? Social media, work, whatever. This can be a relationship with an entity too. But when we cross a boundary, that is sin. It's sin, right? And we like to point like, well, that, that's sin, but that's, nah. no, it's sin. Codependency last week is sin because you are worshiping an idol, the moment you cross that boundary, right? If I cross the boundary of my integrity, right, there's an impurity that comes in, and now I'm coming to the relationship with a person or with a thing to consume something. We are creators, not consumers. We are formed in the image of the God who created the world into existence. We've been given this creative faculty, and when we stay boundaried, connected to love, and I go and I give with all my heart to the integrity of who I am, I've, I'm creating intimacy. I'm creating beauty. I'm creating relationship. I'm creating family. When I transgress that boundary of who I am, I have now left the covering and the safety of who I am in God. I'm operating and I'm bowing my knees and worshiping an idol. We're not going to go there quite yet. I'm going to close with this tonight. If we have done this, if we have formed and operated in idolatry, there's repentance that needs to take place, but there's oftentimes also deliverance. There's a renouncing of a relationship, of an idolatrous relationship, where we have to give back what we took and take back what was stolen so that we can clear the bridge and rebuild the wall, rebuild the boundary. Right? We, we have to be a boundary people, and, and when we form habitual patterns of, of breaking boundaries, right, there, there, there's cleaning up that needs to take place, and the love of God restores, and he wants to come and heal and make whole. I'm not going to go there yet, but there's often there's just ties that are made. There's emotional, spiritual, sexual, relational ties that get formed when we cross boundaries. I used the sin word, which I know isn't popular. 
but I want to address that as well. Because sin is not the result of being immoral or a perverse person. Right? Sin is the result of human beings that don't know how valuable they are. Right? When you don't know your value and your worth, you do not have the fortitude to establish the proper boundaries that are designed to keep you safe and protected. Right? Because boundaries don't derive from the head, they derive from the heart. Right? Boundaries are the external expression of your beliefs. So we don't need to, when, we, when we've crossed boundaries, don't say, what the heck's wrong with me? Why am I so messed up? What, what the heck? No, you need to say, what lie am I believing about my self-worth and, and my value to the eyes of God and in the eyes of other people? What lie am I believing? What, what root or stronghold of sin, shame, pride, fear is convincing me that I don't have value? The truth is that we all need to know the love of God because that's the only thing that can redeem us from the brokenness of sin and can then bestow dignity upon who we are. It's only the love of God that can come into a broken human and resurrect boundary, resurrect value, resurrect in esteem a broken human being, right? It is the love of God. It's when we get overrun and overrided by the love of a father that gave everything for his kids that just wants us to know who we are. When that takes place, when it's no longer just a novelty or a good idea, but love actually possesses a human, that is when boundaries get resurrected. Because again, boundaries are simply the expectation externalities they're the expression of our own self-belief right so a lot of times we just beat ourselves up beat ourselves up why do I cross boundaries why can't I say no to that person when I want to why why when I'm frustrated with them I can't tell them why can't I tell them they're hurting me when they're hurting me why do I why can't I speak when I need to speak why why can't I be true to who I am and we just think there's something messed up with us the truth is you just need to know who you are you need to know how loved you are you're not sick you're not broken you're not some ugly thing God doesn't look at you and see ugly he sees broken and he sees loved 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 he just wants you to know how loved you are because when you know you're loved it's like you just get reinflated and boundaries appear you start to become aware oh oh my gosh this is who I am that has no more appeal to me no no no, 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 because when I know I'm loved, I, I have the strength and the fortitude to say no to what is not appealing and to say yes to what I was created for. We have to yada, we have to intimately come and, and experientially know the love of God. And this is an ongoing progressive experience for our entire life on earth. We are growing in this knowledge of, 
love, right? And the problem that I see often from a pastoral perspective is that the love of God is a great idea. It's an intellectual concept. It has not yet infiltrated and taken possession of the heart. And so this is the dynamic that takes place is I know the love of God only here. I don't see it as this wellspring of comfort and hope and joy and, and where I find my needs and my necessity. So then if I don't see it for what it's supposed to be, which is this, just, you know, my source of life, I only have it as a head concept. I start seeing Christian moral boundaries that are set up as actually impediments to the intimacy that I'm longing for. Whether that's with another person, whether that's emotionally, whether that's sexually, whether that's spiritually, whether that's whatever, social media, whatever it is. I start seeing these boundaries and saying, why is God trying to suck me dry from what I need? Right? And so when we don't know his love, it's a very vulnerable place because we know the moral boundaries, but we will transgress them because we don't realize that these boundaries were not meant to keep us from something. They were actually to protect the intimacy that God created us to have with him and him alone. Right? And again, just want it is this yes that empowers all the other ones. If I don't have this straight, then all my other relationships will be infiltrated with fear and idolatry. And my love will not be expressed if I haven't boundaried myself. I, there's no quick fix for this. This epidemic of the sever between our head and our heart. There's no quick fix. But the only answer is you have to embark on a journey into wholeness. You have, to, you have to reach out and grab this journey and say, I will not stop until I'm whole. I will not stop. I, I have to find what I'm searching for. I have to know this love. And you go on a journey. And it is a messy journey. Because we are really, really broken. We don't understand how deep sin has, has just muddied and perverted and twisted and broken down. Right? There, there's, a, there's a lot of sickness. It's a sick and dying world. We don't have to look that hard to see that. You know, just, just look at the reports and the slavery and the sex trade and all these things and the drug addictions that are just going through the roof. Like, we live in a hurting planet that's full of pain. Right? And so this journey is a broken journey. It's a messy journey. Right? Nobody in here, I don't think so, you're going to be able to say, yeah, you know, I got saved and I've never sinned since. You know, I got saved, I've never been addicted to anything since. No. Right? God saves us, but he saves us and he bestows dignity back to us. He saves us and gives us our freedom back. He saves us and gives us choice. He saves us and he renews us in our inner man. Right? But just like when he brought Israel out of captivity and then put them in the promised land, he did not eradicate all the enemies. It's no different with us. He saves us. He gives us freedom. He gives us choice back. He gives us our dignity back. He gives us worth back. We have an identity in Christ, but he does not remove all the barriers and all the enemies, all the temptations, all the fear. He doesn't. Why? 
Why does he leave us in this vulnerable place where we're going to be tempted and tested with compromise? Because God desires intimacy with you. He doesn't want a minion. Just follows him around. Thank you so much for saving me. No, he, he saves us, but then he withdraws and he creates space for you and I to be faced with decisions because he wants our yes to him to be just as strong as his yes to us. And he chooses us in our brokenness. He sets his love on us. in the midst of the mess and says, I choose you. And then he patiently pursues and creates space, opportunity for us to say, I choose you in reply. He wants us to grow up in love because he wants face to face. Face to face. So what that means is that we are living a life, a messy journey, trying to find wholeness, where each day of our lives, we are faced with countless decisions where we can say yes, no, or we can say no, yes, right? And, and we will fail. All of us will fail. I believe that failure stops being, as you mature, I think failure doesn't have to be these big external failures. I think it gets down to the thoughts and tensions of the heart, partnering with fear, whatever it is. So I believe that, it, it, that that failure can change. I'm not saying that everyone can just blow it in these big ways, but we will fail. We will fail on this journey of, of trying, of, of boundarying our life. And failure is not final where there's a father Right? Failure is God's opportunity to get in, to pick us up, and to mend us back to life. But this is the truth. When you fail, because we will all fail, including me, when we fail, we cannot hide in shame. can't just go tuck away and say, oh, poor me. Right? We have to turn to God and don't stop seeking him until you find the answer to the why question. Why did I fail? Why did I cross the boundary? Why? Why did I do the thing I knew I shouldn't do? Why? Why do these boundaries, these expressions of my identity, why? 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 You have to find the answer to the why because this is the truth. So many people, they just want to tie a bow on it and say, oh, I just had a bad day and I was just feeling tempted and whatever. I just, looked, I just got scared for a minute. We just, we just like want to put a little dab on it. Let's just put the band-aid and let's just, let's just leave it there. And let me just go back to my life. I don't really want to think about it, right? And we think that we're making it easier on ourselves. This is the truth. It's when you find the answer to that why question is where your purity gets redeemed and your identity gets revealed because this is the truth. This is the truth. Deep down, everything you've ever done your whole life, you've been searching for God. Deep down, all you've ever wanted is to know his love. C.S. Lewis said, every man that's ever stumbled into a brothel, deep in his heart, though he didn't know it, he was searching for the love of God. All you've ever done every moment of your life is search for the love of God. And when you get down to the answer of that why question, you will see, I was deceived. All I ever wanted was you. I am pure. I am good. There is beauty in me. And I got deceived because of my brokenness and that deception told me I needed to go there, but all I ever wanted was you. 
And when you see that, that purity comes back and you realize, I'm not broken. I'm not ugly. I'm not this wretched creature. I was deceived. I was manipulated. But I'm loved. And that purity opens our eyes and the pure see God. And when you see God, you find yourself and you have a revelation of your identity. And when that revelation comes, when the truth hits you, when that two-edged sword of God pierces your soul, love bursts forth from you and boundaries resurrect and you recognize this is who I am. This is who I was created to be. No, 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 no. Yes, God. You have to answer the why question. Do not miss your moment. Failure, it is not failure that defines us. It is what you do in the wake of your failure. Don't be so surprised when you stumble. God knew what he was getting himself into. And he set his love on you. And he boundaried himself and said, I covenant to you. You. In your sin, in your mess, in your brokenness, I covenant myself to you. He knew what he was getting himself into, and he has the patience and the endurance and the hope and the belief to get him all the way because he wants to see you face to face. He gave everything so that you could just have that revelation and turn around and say, I'm not running anymore. Here I am. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to go any further on that because that's your journey that you have to go on, but I'm going to tell you the tools, the main tools that I use to answer my why questions. Um, journey to wholeness, the reason that we do that here is because it is a tool to catalyze this process. The next one is April 11th. If you haven't been through it, get on a sign up because the spots will fill up. Um, inner healing ministry. Kim Gillespie does this. Uh, it's, it's a big part of, uh, we, we wanted that created here in this church because we wanted avenues for you to be able to get, the, it's one-on-one -on -one ministry and it will lead you into these why questions. It will lead you to the heart of Jesus and the depths of your brokenness and you can sign up for an appointment online. It does cost money because it is an investment into your well-being. It is an investment into your wholeness. Uh, counseling, professional counseling, I've done a lot of this. There is no shame in meeting with a counselor. There are people gifted by God with the spirit of wisdom and counsel to be able to lead you into the truth, to lead you down into the layers and answer those questions of why. Um, and then lastly, the recovery movement. I believe there's power in the 12-step programs. Uh, I went to Al-Anon intensively for a long season, which is for people that were affected by other people's addictions. There's meetings all over this valley. You can get online. There's meetings in any city in America. Um, there's meetings if you had your own addiction. Like, I believe in the process, and if God's anointing it, you need to follow him there. And here's a couple books for you. The New Codependency, Be Insightful, and also Danny Silk's book, Keep Your Love On. Uh, I'm going to send an email out to the whole church tomorrow that will have all of this, including that video. These are tools that you can use to continue on your process, but you've got to do it. It has to be self-propelled. This doesn't come from outside. This doesn't come from being coerced. This is how you have to go after your journey. Amen? All right, I'm going to close this way, and I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Right, that's the awareness process. I'm just going to close and talk about the implementation, right, which is through communication. 
Um, there are some common barriers that will keep you from setting boundaries that you will run into uh, on the journey of asking why. And I'm just going to give like seven common barriers just because you may, it may spark some thoughts on you. So if this lands on you, great. If it doesn't, not. Um, the barriers to boundaries is uh, emotional IQ. Right? Oftentimes we either stuff emotions, we repress them, or we just have an altogether, uh, we are unaware of what's going on within us. If you don't know what's happening inside of you, how are you going to teach people to treat you? How are you going to set boundaries if you don't even know what makes you happy, what makes you sad? Right? You know the verse, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart? So many Christians don't even know how to delight themselves in the Lord. So why are we so disillusioned when we don't know how he's giving us the desires of our heart? Because we don't even know what they are. Right? We have to be aware of what's taking place within us. So emotional intelligence. Right? Another big one is abandonment. If you have a fear of abandonment, it will create uh, you know, where you will start loving for breadcrumbs. Right? You will cross boundaries with people because you're afraid of losing them because they're an idol in your life. And they won't treat you very well, but you'll actually you'll tolerate anything from them as long as they just don't leave. And they'll give you nothing, but you'll just keep giving and keep giving, right? There's this fear of abandonment that will often uh, drive us to cross thresholds of our integrity, right? Um, the third one, this is a big one, and it's a sensitive topic, and I don't mean to pull something up, but I just do want to shine light that this is something you cannot leave hidden in the shadows of your past. It needs to be dealt with and the pain dispelled, but that is abuse or any form of boundary violation, and if this happened to your life, there's... I'm so sorry, but God does not want to leave you in your pain. You do not have to live in pain of what took place to you the rest of your life. It has stolen enough, and God wants to go in and do a work of restoration, right? But we, we, don't, find, we don't find the restoration when it's just stuffed and buried and hidden. It has to be brought out. It has to be experienced. It has to be processed. It has to, I know it's scary. It can feel like nothing's ever going to go away, but it will go away. God can heal. That's what he came to do is to bind up broken hearts. And there is pain that gets lodged in the memories. And the younger that abuse happens, the deeper the lies and the shame and all the things get lodged. And it creates epidemics later in life, right? So, um, again, this is where counseling and things, I'm not trying to stir everything up, just trying to put, um, this is just real, right? Poor parenting, right? We don't know the bad traditions we've inherited until we've looked an honest look at what we actually inherited, right? And we will unconsciously, subconsciously recreate the same poor traditions and the bad boundaries that came with those traditions unless we are aware of, of what we did receive. And every parent fails in certain ways, so that's not some sort of a shaming thing. This is just the reality of a broken world that we live in, right? I talk to people all the time that say, you know, my parents never even talked to me about sex, like, hmm, well, it's not a surprise that you didn't, you had a hard time trying to figure out what healthy boundaries around sexuality looked like then, because those were the people that were supposed to teach you, right? We, we have to be willing to look at this and engage so that we can write a new story. Um, shame. Uh, stuffing it does not work. We have to bring it to the light, right? And shame convinces you that as soon as people see what you've really done, when as soon as people see who you really are, you will be rejected, and that is a lie. God has arms open, and he is waiting to run and embrace you if you will just turn and say, here I am. Get real with yourself. Get real with God. Get real with people. His grace is real, but you will not know his grace is real until you take that first step and say, Father, I want to come home. 
people-pleasing. Uh, if you're a people-pleaser, you make a decision all the time to reject yourself so that people won't have the opportunity to. Right? You have to take the risk and let people see you. Right? We say, oh, I'm, I don't want to... I don't want to be real with you because um, I don't think you'll like that. So I'm not, I'm going to stuff who me is and I'm going to cross my boundary and give you what I think you want. That's not real. That's not intimacy. Right? That's a boundary that gets crossed. Um, silence. Our voices get silenced, shut down, unable to speak, unable to communicate, unable to be real. Right? We have to be brave with our communication and low self-esteem. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of these, but these are just things that we will hit. We'll hit on this journey. And if you'll dive into them, you'll find truth. And lastly, I'm going to just close because we are running out of time. I'm going to close with this. Uh, these are a few practical ways of boundaries I've had to communicate it. And, and these are just three of many. Um, but I just felt led to share these three. And all of these fall under the category of brave communication. Right, we have to be courageous in the way that we communicate with people. Um, being a pastor, I in in the world of people, and people always have problems, and there's always crisis and there's always uh, um, emergencies. And I made a decision, honestly, probably about a year into ministry, because there was always something going on, that um, someone else's crisis isn't going to be my crisis. And I have people that will try to manipulate me sometimes, will try to tell me, like, you need to do this now, you need to do this. And I, I often don't respond. If it's not in my heart, I do not respond. And you say, that doesn't sound very loving. Well, it's, no, it's not to not be loving. It's because I don't have anything in me to give to that. Right? And oftentimes I'll wait and I'll push it off, and three days later I'll respond if it's on the weekend. It's not my emergency, right, because I'm a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. And so if I try to charge into someone's crisis and I don't even have peace to give it myself, what the heck am I trying to do? Hey, let's just massage it and keep it good. And oftentimes we will do this. We'll charge into someone's crisis because it's kind of, you know, because we don't want to fluster them by not responding and getting into it because we think that's what love is. And so we get in and we're trying to make the peace with them. We just want to have rapport with them, right? I've just said, no, no, it's not. So if I get a message or I get a crisis or whatever, I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that will be determined on where people are in my circle, People are closer, their crisis is going to be a little more urgent for me, right? If people are further, it's not going to be because I'm a finite human being. I only have so much love to give. I have to say, God, what am, what am I called to do in this, right? So someone else's crisis isn't mine. Um, the next one is a big one, and it's really hard for a lot of people is detachment. Um, I asked my mom, she said I could share this tonight, but uh, in our story of our family, uh, I was my mom's biggest comforter and encourager for a number of years, and I would say she was the same for me, and there came a point where it was exhausting me. Same thing was taking place, she would call, but I would just almost feel this sick thing in my stomach, like I don't have anything to give anymore. And the Lord spoke to me one day, and he said, Jordan, he said, uh, you're in my way, and I said, what? And he said, I'm your mom's comforter, not you. Get out of my way. And I said, no, she doesn't have anybody else. I understand her. I get her. I've encouraged her. We've got this far. I had all my excuses. No, 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 no. She's going to sit there alone, and I, I can't just let her sit there alone. What do I just do? I can't answer the phone. What am I supposed to do? And God said, get out of my way. And I had to draw a boundary, and it wasn't easy. It was hard because I knew that if I didn't answer the phone, What's she going to do? Be crying there alone? You know, you start, you, and, and it was hard, but I had to draw the boundary because I didn't have anything to give. 
I was, I, was, I would be violating the integrity of who I am for me to continue in that way, right? And we didn't have this language. We were on this broken journey of trying to learn this language, right? And there was nothing wrong done on either side. It was simply, we only have to give what God gives us to give to any relationship, any person, anything, and those change over seasons, right? So detachment, we, we have to learn how to let go. And sometimes love looks like letting go, right? And my mom's great. I'm great, right? Because God's her healer. God's my healer. God's her comforter. God's my comforter. Sometimes we think, you know, it's like, well, you know, they're not saved. They're going to go to hell if I let them go, God. And we trick ourselves into thinking that we have more compassion than God does. And what we don't realize is that when we keep breaking the boundary, we're actually getting in God's way and screwing things up. Because we're self-righteous. Um, and then lastly, confrontation. In a leadership capacity, I, I speak this often, is that what you tolerate, you empower. So if someone, this is the, how I live my life, if someone crosses me or does something that hurts me once, it's on them. Any time after that, it's on me. So it doesn't matter if it's two times or 12 times, all the ones after the first one are on me. If I do not have a conversation and say, hey, this is how you made me feel when I've been struggling because you, it makes me feel right. You have to have the courage to confront um, when people's behavior towards you is not something that's conducive with how you will tolerate being treated. Right. And, and so, you know, confrontation. Right, and like little things, right? So like anybody you've ever borrowed, you know, you've lended out money? Someone ever paid you back? For some reason you feel guilty for asking? Even though they put you in that awkward situation? Are you going to tolerate that type of behavior? Because if you keep letting that happen, you're telling people, yeah, that's okay. Right, that's not selfish. That's a boundary. That my integrity, I pay people back, I expect people to pay me back. I'm not rude, I'm not angry, I'm not, that's just how I live, right? So confrontation, we have to be willing to confront what needs to be confronted. All right, I want to close and I just want to do this, um, and I just want to have a time um, of just repentance, and I just, we're going to spend about five minutes, and um, if you have recognized in the course of the last 45, 50 minutes, and you say, you know what? I've had a, an idolatrous relationship in my life. Maybe I currently have it, and it's not dealt with. I'm just going to invite you to stand right now. This isn't emotional. This isn't shaming. I just want you to stand as an acknowledgement to say, yep, I've had an unhealthy relationship with uh, uh, something, with work, with social media, with a computer, with another person, with whatever it is. Um, and we're just going to dim the lights here for a moment. And we're just going to have a time of repentance. And I just want you to start... And I just want you to tell Jesus that you're sorry. Just tell him you're sorry and that you repent for whatever it is that you have placed before him, for whatever it is, whatever boundary you've crossed. say, Jesus, forgive me, please.
just receive the blood of Jesus that paid for our forgiveness on the cross of Calvary. Just tell him, I receive your forgiveness, Lord. He's quick to forgive. whatever uh, this is, whatever relationship it is, whatever boundary that you are convicted of in this moment, um, I just want you to renounce the tie. Um, If it's an emotional tie or a spiritual tie or a sexual tie or whatever it was, right? There's things that we gave to the relationship. When we cross the boundaries of our integrity, there's things we gave and there's things that we took from a relationship, from an idolatrous relationship. And I want you to just... uh, there's things that you need to give back and there's things that you need to take back, right? Oftentimes we give away our purity. We give our integrity away. We give, we give away, uh, you know, things that were precious to us. We give away our peace of mind. And oftentimes we take on shame. We take on fear. We take on anxiety. We take on, right, there's things that it gave us that we don't want anymore. And I just want you to just, I'm just going to be quiet here for a minute or two. And I just want you to think of if there's anything that you took from this relationship that you don't want anymore, I just want you to just say it and just say, I give it back. I give it back. And if there's things that were taken from you that you want back through the blood of Jesus, I just want you to just take them back. And there's just the, the Jesus restored what was stolen. The blood of Jesus redeems what was taken. dignity restored, your purity restored. So right now in Jesus' name, God, we come against every attachment that is not rooted in love, that is not grounded in the purity and the intimacy of heaven, God, and in the name of Jesus, we break it off. God, break off every attachment. God, every, everything that was rooted in selfishness and idolatry, break it off. God, everything that was rooted in deception and shame, break it off in Jesus' name and rebuild tonight, God, what was torn down. And now I just want you to open your heart and in its place, we repent, we renounce, and then we refill we fill the void right of what this relationship we're now saying no to that relationship and we're saying yes to God and I just want you to just turn your heart to God and just say love of God fill me love of God fill me thanks for listening to the Riverhouse podcast for more information visit riverhouseministries.com